Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Ash Paul, Director of Trust Dental Group. Ash, hello. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the sure. word leader mean to you? Well, um, I think from my perspective, I have a um, small to medium-sized business. So for me, it's about um, having clarity um, and having a vision and uh, for my business and my, my team. And because I'm the one who's going to be uh, driving things forward. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to have that kind of clarity for anything that we're setting uh, and any kind of goals that we're um, we're putting together for the, for the whole practice and the whole business. Do you feel that there are um, significant challenges to managing a small team that you wouldn't find in a larger business? Well, being with a small business, obviously, you've got limited uh, funding. And so uh, what I find is when I'm always trying to learn from other companies which are, how, which are bigger, they always have different people they can draw on for experience, even simple things like recruitment, induction, um, HR, um, all of that really rests really either on myself or um, we do have people now in the team who take on those different roles and responsibilities. But being a small business, I think the buck always rests on yourself. Um, and so you end up doing a lot more than you probably anticipated and there's always new challenges every day. So things can always get hectic, but I guess never boring, that's for sure. Mm. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I try not to be too top down. I try to maintain a level of um, uh, like an open door kind of policy. We have meetings which are structured throughout the year. So I have a, um, a, a business consultant who I, who I work with and I've been working with for a number of years. So he's helped me uh, put into place a particular structure that works in our business in the dental field mm-hmm. and a way of kind of communicating and passing our information to the staff and getting them to buy in and believe in our ethos and values. So um, I tend to, at these meetings, uh, we kind of discuss the different ideas uh, where I want to be going forward, um, but I try and listen to the staff. So usually on my time, on a day off when I'm working from home, I try and do my planning. Um, and rather than coming into a meeting, uh, a planned meeting and telling everyone this is what we're going to be doing, I try and listen to the ideas. Uh, we explore some options. And then even though I have an idea where I want to go, it's almost like uh, I get the team to contribute uh, and we almost have come up with things ourselves. Having said that, it's definitely going to be my clarity and my vision that's at the top of it. Um, and um, like I said, we have set meetings for dentists, uh, set meetings for reception team. Um, the whole practice as a whole, and we have a separate kind of uh, meeting, uh, team meeting where we close the practice for a whole afternoon where we discuss much bigger concepts uh, like values uh, and an ethics and a way of getting the team to buy in. Let's turn back the clock to when you first started out in your career. Was there a particular figure who uh, molded the way that you lead today? Um. I always have a few people have already asked me that question or when I'm trying to t- 
teach uh, uh, kind of junior colleagues of mine and try and give them a way of uh, thinking. I get them to try and do the same thing, whereby think of someone that kind of inspired you when you were younger. So I have to say, they would definitely want a consultant, I believe, uh, draw on from university. So when I'm trying to think of certain, the way people should behave or professionalism uh, or values or the ways people should act, um, there's definitely one consultant who comes to mind for me, um, purely because, you know, he had the nice, a good blend of being approachable and friendly, but being very well respected, um, you know, being having a great, cool temper, but also someone that people looked up to. Um, mm. So I say there's definitely somebody in my mind. I also remember a couple of teachers from school. Um, one of the things I've I've gone back and thought to myself is what gives me this drive or ambition. And I think it does kind of boil back to a time when I was. I think I was told by uh, my biology teacher a long time back that I couldn't pass this exam or I couldn't get into dental school. I just wasn't capable of it. And I think that's what's given me that drive. I think anytime someone tells me that I can't do something, I almost have to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's... So almost uh, malevolent influences are uh, able to pull success out of people as much as uh, tame ones are. Yeah. Now, in your business, you're managing people. And of course, people have their own quirks and idiosyncrasies and sometimes come into conflict with each other. Um, How do you uh, approach dealing with conflict in the workplace? Firstly, I say we're very fortunate with the team that I've got. Um, I think it definitely starts um, with having the right recruitment uh, induction. And we, we used to have a lot more of these kind of problems and it's proving less and less, mainly because the type of people who come in buy into certain values that we have and they kind of learn off the current uh, team members. So one of the things I always look for is people who are positive. Um, that meaning That means that you know, we work in a stressful environment on a day-to-day basis. We're dealing with working in healthcare. Lots of things can go wrong. Things can be stressful. But we always aim to put things right. And if you've got the right team and people are positive and are helpful and support each other, it's, you know, nine times out of ten, we make it work. In terms of conflict, when it has happened in the past, I, I, I always find rather than, you know, if it's on a smaller scale, I'd, I'd rather... I'd, I'd, if someone comes to me with a problem or has heard something going on in the practice, I always say to them, try and deal with it yourself if you can. You know, speak to that person, be upfront, be honest, and try and, you know, think of if you were in a situation at home, how would you manage it and how would you like to be treated in this situation? So, And then if they can't, and if it needs kind of my input or help, then by all means, come back to me. I always try that first. I try to keep things more informal. I think when you try to escalate things, uh, kind of serious situations too quickly, yours uh, can cause more problems at a time. So when we deal with people uh, and you've got different personalities, you never know what could be going on behind the scenes. Like people are stressed out. They could be work problems, home problems, family issues, um, sleep issues. I think it's important to find out what the core root of this situation is and try and understand what's going on in the background before uh, jumping to conclusions and, and escalating things too quickly. 
Now, of course, uh, young people are looking to enter uh, the field of dentistry. Uh, what advice do you have to a secondary school student who may be interested in joining your field? So I, I think I remember back to something that someone told me, which is if you think of where you want to be in 5, 10, 15 years' time uh, and have a clear picture of what that is, what that entails, you know, it, it should be more than just, I want to become a dentist. It should be, what kind of dentist? Why do you want to be that dentist? Uh, how does your working week, in an ideal world, what would that working week look like? Uh, what type of person do you want to be? Do you want to run a practice? Do you want to just work in to work for somebody else? And if you have a clear vision of somebody or someone that you uh, can relate to, and then try and work back from there. Think of how that person achieved what they did, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't happen just by luck. You know, there's certain steps that they've done in their career and that you will need to do in your career to achieve something similar. Um, and I think if you have that goal in mind, like most things, if you structure that and work backwards, step by step by step, they'll give you a clear kind of guiding route uh, to get there. Now, of course, that will change as your perspective changes, but um, it's far more likely, it's almost like a roadmap to success. Um, and I think possibly do that periodically every few years or every couple of years um, to make sure you're still on track. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly running to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Trust Dental Group? So um, this year, so I have, we have, three, pra- I have three practices. Um, the goal this year is to the, the, the newest of the practices, which is by far the biggest and has its own challenges because we have a bigger team, mm-hmm. there's 20 people there. So what I'm trying to do is consolidate uh, and implement the things that I've already implemented in the other two practices and try and get that practice um, to build those ethos and values that we already instilled the other, uh, elsewhere and just get things running, get the systems empl- employed and get the staff on board and just get things running in synchrony. Um, before we start, you know, expanding and doing other things. Having said that, we're so busy at the moment that we're due to put a new, another expand and put another room in pretty quickly just to meet the demand. One of the things that's really important to me right now is my personal reputation and the reputation of the actual practice and the staff there. So that's something that we're working quite uh, cleverly on and trying to build our reviews online uh, to the wider public and. Uh, not just bringing new patients, but also the right type of patients who are um, who believe in what we believe in. So that's probably the biggest goal in the next six to months a year is just to keep building on those on our reputation and make sure that whichever patient comes to our practice, doesn't matter what day of the week, which dentist they see, they won't receive anything less than a certain standard of care, and they you know they'll have an expectation of what they uh, of what they'll have something. They'll have an idea of what to expect before they come in. And when they do come in, I'm hoping that uh, the team will not let them down and uh, look after them in uh, the way they've, uh, they've been told to expect. Well, Ash, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope you come back on the show at some point in the near future to tell us how your expansion is panning out. Uh, thank you, Ash. I'm glad I could help. Thank you. That was Ash Paul, director of Trust Dental Group. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. 
Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did again mm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved. 
and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time it may be overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. 
I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had the, the impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into him because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. It, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but... Overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year they've gone fairly well and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows in fact starting this week over the next uh, two or three months and uh, at the end of the theatre shows we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions and the, the, there's I won't mention both they're too long to talk about both questions um, one the other one's a really stupid one it's too long for me to tell you it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever. 
which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make it again, laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to, to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. No, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work 
for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about. Uh, all of them in, in that breath, and there was nobody. And I'm going back on an earlier earlier question for me: that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish. After '66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was. A big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great and players. You... We have some great players, of course, but without the attitude uh, alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, 
the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may you know, have, a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.